This is Dialogue Gospel Sunday Study. Good morning, everyone, and um, welcome or afternoon, depending on where you are. Uh, and welcome to the Dialogue Sunday School Study today, um, September 12th, 2021, with Charles Beecham. I am super excited to be conducting today. Um, we've known each other for, <laughs> it was a decade ago that we uh, participated in my first and last acting gig. Uh, thankfully, um, and um, a little bit more about that later. But um, again, thank you everyone for being here. As a reminder, we meet on second and fourth Sundays. We record the sessions and post them. You can find our prior sessions through our website at dialoguejournal.com or by searching YouTube. Um, my name is Daylon Meximico. I'll be conducting on behalf of the dialogue board. I'm so sorry. I could not, I have a little one, but anyways. Um, other board members today are Chris Kimball and Rebecca Deschweinitz. Um, we're using our webinar format on Zoom and running a live stream on Facebook. Sorry. Um, we're also recording this program. For viewers on Zoom, there's a chat function by which you can comment or ask questions and propose answers. Um, we also follow comments on Facebook and introduce questions from Facebook when appropriate. Um, we'd also like... Okay, here you go. I'm so sorry. <laughs> We'd also like to remind everyone of our uh, current campaign. We're moving dialogue into the future and asking for your help in that endeavor. So um, if you can and want to find out more about sustaining dialogue, um, you can visit gifttodialogue.com. Um, as I mentioned, we're excited to have Charles Beecham as our instructor today. Um, to introduce him, he is a creative professional with extensive experience in delivering impactful narrative experiences essential to immersive entertainment. His creative chops were battle-tested, shepherding one of the, um, some of the world's most renowned entertainment franchises for superhero heavy hitter Marvel Entertainment, as well as the video game gargantuan Activision Blizzard. Charles has always been a storyteller. As a boy, he'd write and tell stories, draw his own comic books, and force his younger brothers to act in his extremely, extremely low-budget films. Um, as a teenager and aspiring musician, he explored his love of uh, story through songwriting. Charles' love of technology and narrative led him to study communications at Brigham Young University. Charles loves to spend time with his wife, Hadley, and their daughters, Laurel and Piper. Uh, Charles attributes his adventurous spirit to his childhood spent in Southeast Texas with his seven younger siblings. Uh, his sense of humor um, to his mother and his love of pop culture to his father. Like any good superhero, Charles has adopted a simple credo to live by, family comes first. As is always the case, the views expressed today are those of individual participants and not necessarily reflect those of the Dialogue Foundation, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or any other organization. Um, so today, um, our opening prayer will be offered by Margaret Blair Young. Um, to introduce Margaret, she is doing a bit more work in telling the stories of Black LDS pioneers, but is primarily for, uh, focused in, the, in work in the DR Congo and on being a grandma. She remembers Charles as a darling toddler in their neighborhood long ago, and then as a bright student on a semester abroad in England, which um, Bruce Young participated in as a professor. The young son, Michael, still feels that Charles has, uh, was among the best influences in his life. In, um, in 2011, Charles agreed to portray, uh, to portray sorry, Elijah Abel in Margaret's play about Jane Manning James, I Am Jane. Not only did he do a splendid job in acting, but he pulled Stacey Harkey into the cast. Over the past year, Margaret has become more and more aware of Charles and his strong, beautifully articulated statements on race issues and has frequently shared them with others. Thank you, Margaret, for joining us today. Um, so first we'll hear um, some music. Um, we'll hear a recording of 
I'm sorry, I missed the, it's a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Yes, thank you. Um, and then we'll have a prayer by um, by Sister Yang. Our Heavenly Parents, we are so thankful for the technology that allows us to participate in a Sunday school class from all over the world. Grateful for the life and faith and inspiring vision of Charles Beecham, who we'll be able to listen to today. Uh, for every person who will be participating and pray that the spirit of the song that, that we just heard, the, the mournful but beautiful uh, spiritual, will be a part of this lesson and that we can open our hearts and minds to everything that Charles will have to tell us and that our conversation can be uplifting and edifying. And these things we say in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Sister Young. Now we'll turn the time over to Charles. Um, ah, sorry. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you guys for uh, letting me be here today uh, and to share some of my thoughts uh, with you and to, uh, to hopefully hear some of yours as well. Um, when, when Dalen reached out to me uh, to do this, um, she gave me a couple options and I was really excited. One, that we were in the Doctrine and Covenants, but, uh, but two, uh, that, that one of the, the options uh, was about the saints in, in Jackson County. Um, believe it or not, I am not from Pioneer Stock. Um, I don't have, uh, have any you know, distant relatives who, uh, who were members of the, the church in the early days. Um, both my parents are converts, um, but I, uh, I was born in Jackson County, Missouri. Um, so, uh, this place is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, I still have family, uh, that live there. Um, and my dad served his mission there, uh, as a, as a convert to the church, uh, he served his mission there. Uh, so, uh, you know, I've, I've always loved learning about the, the history of the saints there and, uh, their experiences there. Um, the, the, the land of Zion um, was set apart uh, by the Lord uh, in August of 1831. Uh, you know, I, I want to jump into a little bit of the history before we, we uh, start talking about the doctrines, because um, I feel like that's really important as we're likening the scriptures uh, to us and um, is to know the context. Um, and we're lucky with the doctrine and covenants that we have some of that stuff uh, uh, available to us. So in August of 1831, uh, the Lord revealed to the prophet Joseph Smith uh, that Zion was going to be established in Jackson County, Missouri. And this revelation was so exciting and invigorating to the early saints. Uh, the Lord had commanded them to build a temple there. Um, the first temple was uh, just, I think, in the next year going to start being, uh, they were going to start construction on the Kirtland Temple. Um, but the Lord was already saying, we're going to build a temple. Uh, you're going to build a temple in Zion. Um, revealed that this city was going to be literally uh, the city of God on earth. Um, and uh, that those, uh, the, the people who gathered there uh, in Zion, uh, they did so at great personal sacrifice. Uh, they did so believing in the Lord's promise that this land was an inheritance for them. Uh, the saints were earnest in doing the work. Uh, saints like William W. Phelps uh, were, were, were called to 
uh, established a printing press, a uh, printing shop there uh, to uh, to print the the book of covenant or the book of commandments, which would you know become the doctrine of uh, become the doctrine and covenants. Um, and others like uh, Edward Partridge, uh, he was called as the bishop uh, there to be a steward of the gathering of the saints there. Um, uh, sadly, in just over two years, those who had gathered uh, to Jackson County in hope would be forced to leave in despair. Uh, between July and December of 1833, the saints endured escalating uh, ostracism, vulgarities, vandalism, and physical violence. In late July, uh, an angry mob destroyed the print shop, burned homes and barns belonging to the saints, uh, burned their crops, um, all in an effort to intimidate the saints into leaving. How did it happen? Uh, how did they uh, come to, so, to such a, a terrible place um, from such a, a place of great hope? Um, I think as we, as we delve into specifically sections, uh, 98 and 100, uh, today of the Doctrine and Covenants, we'll, we'll get to see something that, that, uh, I think lots of missionaries and members of the church, we, we, we refer to as the cycle of pride, uh, at work, uh, a bit, um, as the saints were commanded to do things. Uh, and fell short uh, in some ways um, and uh, overstepped in other ways. Um, but the, the revelations that the, the Lord gave uh, through the prophet Joseph uh, here are invaluable, uh, were invaluable to the saints then, and I believe are invaluable to us today. Um, and I'm excited to, to jump into them. Um, so uh, Joseph Smith at this time uh, was not in Jackson County with the, the saints there. He was still in Kirtland. Um, and because of that great distance um, and the quickness with which everything kind of deteriorated, um, there was no way for him to know exactly like the full extent of what was happening. Uh, but the, the guidance that he gave was, was extremely uh, pertinent. Um, and in Doctrine and Covenants section 98, uh, actually, Rebecca, could you read verses 98, uh, or excuse me, section 98, verses one through three for me? I could if I had my scriptures out. Oh, no, I'm <laughs> I sorry. I, uh, I should have been on the spot. prepared. Um, do you have a Dalen? Okay. I'm sorry I put you on the spot like that. <laughs> to have a screamer in the background so i don't know how helpful that will be I, okay go ahead but i've got it David. okay um Cheers. verily i say unto you my friends fear not let your hearts be comforted yea rejoice evermore and in everything give thanks waiting patiently on the lord for your prayers have entered into the ears of the lord of sabbath and are recorded with this seal and testament the Lord hath sworn and decreed that they shall be granted. Therefore, he giveth this promise unto you with an immutable covenant that they shall be fulfilled and all things wherewith you have been afflicted shall work together for your good and to my name's glory, saith the Lord. So I love those verses. Um, and I, I especially love them in the context here that, that Joseph didn't know the full extent of what was happening. Um, in verse three, uh, how he says, uh, 
that he's giving a promise to the saints that, you know, the desires of their hearts will be fulfilled, that they'll be, they'll, you know, they'll get through this um, and that their afflictions will work for their good. Um, I think that's extremely profound. I honestly, as I, as, as I think about it, I can't help but wonder how it was received um, by the saints at this time. Um, I'm sure it was hard watching your homes get burned, right? Uh, Watching your, uh, your livelihood be taken away from you. uh, And, and not for anything that you'd done wrong, right? Um, for all for all intents and purposes, the, the the saints there were were upstanding citizens. They were just gathering together um, and sharing their beliefs, right, uh, with with one another and and celebrating those things together. Um, but uh, but the Lord says, "Hey, like it'll be okay. I know that I know that you're going through this, um, and it's and it's going to be hard, uh, but it'll all be all right." Um, so as, as they received this, uh, you know, this is the, the kind of what had happened leading up, up to this. Um, there, you know, the Lord had a process for, for how people were supposed to come to Zion. Um, it wasn't just a, uh, an immediate call to action for everyone to go there. Um, and and Edward Partridge, as I had mentioned earlier, he was called as a steward, uh, steward there, and and asked, uh, you know, to to make sure that that people received their inheritances through uh, through kind of proper channels. Um, I think that that was back in section uh, section fifty seven, um, and we don't we don't need to read that. Uh, but you know, he's he you know at that point the Lord said, "Hey, we're going to set up this this order of things." Uh, you will be called to go and given an inheritance when you get there uh, through the bishop. Um, and that was for the, the purpose of, of making sure that all of those, uh, the people who came and worked, that they could give part of what they made to the church and to the others uh, who were coming there to help the church to grow. Um, but there were some people who got a little hasty uh, and and decided that they were going to go ahead and go to Zion uh, of their own volition. Um, and one of those uh, one of those people was a man named William M- uh, McClellan. And I'm going to read just a little a little bit about uh, William McClellan. Um, and this is from a uh, a collection of of stories called Visions and Nightmares that's available in the Gospel Library. Um, but uh, here's, here's what it says about, about William. It says, while Joseph was visiting the saints in Independence, William McClellan was struggling spiritually in Ohio. After being called as a missionary, he spent the winter preaching the gospel, first in towns and villages east of Kirtland and later to the south. Although he enjoyed some success early on, poor health, bad weather, and uninterested people now left him discouraged. As a teacher by profession, uh, he was used to he was used to obedient students who listened to his lessons and did not talk back. As a missionary, uh, it was it was different. Um, he was often at odds with people who did not respect his authority. Once, while delivering a long sermon, he was interrupted several times and called a liar. After months of setbacks, he started to question whether it was the Lord 
for Joseph Smith, who had called him on a mission. Unable to settle the matter in his mind, he left the mission field and found a job clerking at a store. In his free time, he scoured the Bible for evidence of the restored gospel and argued with skeptics about religion. In time, he chose not to return to his mission. Instead, he married a church member named Emmeline Miller and decided to accompany a group of about 100 saints to Jackson County, where land was readily available. In a revelation to Joseph, God had rebuked William for abandoning, for abandoning his mission, but William believed he could start over in Zion. He wanted to do it on his own terms, however, and in the summer of 1832, he and his company moved to Missouri without a recommendation from church leaders, which the Lord required uh, migrating saints to obtain so that Zion would not grow too quickly and strain resources. When he arrived, he did not go to Bishop Partridge to consecrate his property or receive an inheritance. Instead, he bought two lots in independence from the government. Um, William's story uh, is one that I think resonates with a lot of us. Uh, he had questions uh, about the things that the Lord had called him to do. Uh, he struggled with the things that, uh, you know, he, he, he had questions about what he was supposed to do. He still went and did it. He struggled uh, to perform in his, in his calling. Um, and ultimately, he, he gave up. Um, which I don't condemn him for that. You know, like we all have, uh, we all have struggles and the Lord knows, uh, our weaknesses. He knows our strengths. Um, I think for me, uh, what, st what stands out here, um, is that William, uh, he then decided to stop trusting in the Lord, um, and, and to, uh, to try and stay on the, the straight and narrow, but did it without the support uh, and the support structure that the Lord had, had put there. Um, and again, it's not, I, I wouldn't say that it was wholly on him because there were other people that did the same thing. This is just one example, but the mistake that he made uh, ultimately caused a lot of turmoil for the saints there uh, in Jackson County. Um, Uh, that, which brings us to another uh, story of another William, uh, William there in, uh, in Jackson County. Um, are there any questions or comments about, I guess, before I move on uh, from there? I don't know if any, you know, Rebecca, Jalen, if you, Becky, if any of you guys had thoughts on that. Yeah, so I just, um, you know, I can identify with this getting hasty <laughs> in, uh, in building Zion um, kind of impulse and, uh, and, and the tension between uh, kind of initiative and direction um, and trying to kind of navigate that. Um, I think that's a really, uh, you know, relevant <laughs> uh, for our time um, question that uh, I'm grappling with personally. Um, right now, I like to get hasty. So, <laughs> and, and at times, right, like I, I, I love how you're talking about like the process of coming to Zion um, and feeling called, um, you know, whether that's by church leaders or by the spirit and life experience. 
to participate in that process of coming to and building Zion um, in particular ways. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm thinking of as, as you're talking. So thank you. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really interesting how, you know, I, I don't, I don't think there was anything wrong with the desire that he had to go and be there. Right. Like he wanted to, even as he was struggling with his testimony, he still wanted to be a part of that community. He still wanted to help build Zion. Right. Like the Lord had recently rebuked him for having left his mission. Right. And, and keep in mind these revelations, right. Like they were often shared uh, throughout the church. So I'm sure to some degree, other people knew his business. Right. And it's like, well, there's something brave. I think about continuing to, to be a part of the community. Um, when, uh, when people publicly know that you, you've, you know, done, done wrong. Um, but at the same time, it's that, that piece about getting too hasty and, and knowing and being willing to, to seek out the Lord's will and, and how, uh, how we can help, you know, uh, help in doing his work. Um, I think there are callings, uh, that we have that are official capacities, right. In the church today. And then there's, the calling of ministering to people and, and serving and just being a good saint, right? And like anyone can do that piece. But sometimes there are things that we have to wait for the Lord to say, hey, I need you to do this thing and let me give you authority and give you power so that you can do that thing and have the spirit, you know, consecrate that work you're doing for your good and for the good of others. Taylor, it looked like you were going to say something too. Yeah, yeah I just said, yeah, thanks. Um, So I just really like that you kind of mentioned that, you know, we we all have like we can't condemn him for his for his actions, for whatever he was doing. Um, you know, the, the way the story was presented, it seemed like he was just, you know, he kind of gave up or and, you know, just kept trying to stay, like you mentioned, in the in the straight and narrow, kind of keep trying to like follow um Kind of following the ways of like that the leadership was um the uh, the leadership at that time was um had had for had for the saints at that time um but, but i just think it's interesting that um a lot of times some of us like walk that way um we end up just kind of following along and um we don't realize the things that might have hurt us or hit us in a certain way that um that we need to sometimes have a lot of like introspection right to say you know why did i why did i do that did i not did i not have whatever whatever the reason was I just think there's a lot of a lot of introspection that 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 goes along with why we um why we do certain things why we uh you know follow like like uh, William was doing following um following the saints along um and and maybe he just didn't have that chance to do that or he just didn't and um but but yeah, just like you mentioned, I I, I find it hard to fault him for <laughs> whatever whatever he he ended up doing when when um um when yeah, it just seemed like he 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 just needed to kind of figure himself out. Because to me, he was on the mission, and it just seemed like a lot of like, oh, I, I'm kind of done with this. Like whatever's happening here, I don't like it. And it could have been like an inter- a self reflective time, right? To really say, why am I doing why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Is this really what I want to do? So. Yeah. And um, thank you so much for that. And, and, and I, I do think, right, like we, we can't, we can't condemn him for, or, or fault him for 
um, I think his heart was in the right place, right? Um, but that said, uh, and this is, I think, a, a really important theme throughout these sections, um, is, is that our actions are not, uh, like we don't live in vacuums, right? Uh, our actions as members of the church uh, have fallout uh, for other members of the church. They have fallout for people who are not members of the church as well. Um, and they, they can affect the work of the Lord for good or for bad. And I know it was not William McClellan's intent to harm uh, the, the saints in, in Zion, right? He wanted to be with them. He wanted to help the work, as I'm sure the other hundred people that came with him at that time wanted. But uh, the Lord had that process in place of, hey, let's go through the bishop. Let's have that calling and let me give you those, uh, those, inherit those inheritances so that Zion didn't grow too quickly, so that resources weren't strained. Keep in mind, the church was fairly small still at this point, right? Um, so that um, relationships with the other Missourians weren't strained. And the kind of the balloon effect of William McClellan and others like him coming to Zion had that exact, uh, I think the exact opposite effect of what they wanted. Uh, it, it grew too fast. Um, and the, the, the people in Missouri started to get nervous, um, about all the, you know, the Mormons coming in and talking about their, uh, their divine right to this land. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned before, I love learning about the history, uh, of, of this, of this place. And something that I, I hadn't known, uh, really until I, I dug into this lesson was in preparing for this was that, uh, of course, uh, there was problems with racism there in, in Missouri. Um, that was a big part of, of what caused the clash between the saints uh, and the, uh, the other settlers there. Um, so William Phelps, uh, who was called to, to, uh, to, to start the, the printing press there, or the print, the print shop, um, you know, primarily the, the work that he was, he was there to do was to print the book of, of commandments, um, to print the revelations uh, that were given to Joseph uh, so that uh, the saints could know the, the word of the Lord as it proceeded forth from the, the living prophet at the time. Um, another thing that he, he as, a, as a journalist, as a, as a writer, uh, another thing that he took upon himself um, and was encouraged to do was, was to start a newspaper called the Morning and Evening Star. Um, the, the paper uh, mostly talked about local goings on and, and shared news from, you know, again, uh, from Kirtland as the saints were, you know, kind of spread out uh, in the middle, in the Midwest there. Um, but as the, as tensions started to rise and as more and more saints were coming, uh, Phelps started to talk more about, you know, who the saints were as a people um, and how uh, they saw themselves or how he saw them fitting in uh, to this community that they were building in, in Zion. Um, and I'm going to pull up a, let me pull up this story here from, uh, I think it's, there he is. Uh, 
It's called uh, From the Saints. Uh, again, this is another collection of stories about the, the, the pioneers. Uh, Saints, Volume 1, Chapter 16, only a prelude. Um, and uh, this is kind of what happened with, with William Phelps um, and, and, the, and his newspaper. So as, as tensions were rising between the saints and their neighbors in Jackson County, William Phelps decided to use uh, the pages of the local church newspaper uh, to calm fears. In the July 1833 issue of The Evening and Morning Star, he published a letter to immigrating church members, counseling them to pay their debts before coming to Zion to, uh, to avoid being a burden on the community. Um, in writing this and other words of advice, he hoped that Jackson County residents would read the paper too and see that the saints were law-abiding law citizens whose beliefs posed no threat to them or the local economy. William also addressed church members' attitudes toward Black people. Although he sympathized with those who wished to free enslaved people, William wanted his readers to know that the saints would obey Missouri's laws, restricting the rights of free Blacks. They were only, uh, there were only a few Black saints in the church, and he recommended that if they chose to move to Zion, uh, they should act carefully and trust in God. He said, so long as we have no special rule in the church as to people of color, let, uh, let prudence guide. Um, so the, the way that this is positioned in our history, right, is that the, the, saint, the, the saints in Missouri uh, were gathering together. Um, William Phelps wanted to make sure that uh, they were kind of starting on the best foot. So he gave advice to the saints through this newspaper, right? Uh, pay off your debts, come and be, you know, financially free so that we're not a burden to our, our you know, to the, the, saint, the community of saints, but also not a burden to our, our neighbors here. Um, and, and when it, it comes to, you know, our, our beliefs as, as members of the church uh, in regards to, to freed Blacks, there's only a few um, if they come, then they should be warned, right? Like things in Missouri are how they are. And we're going to, you know, we're going to respect the law. Uh, the way that that was received from the, the folks in, in Missouri was that Phelps was inviting uh, freed blacks to come. Uh, they were afraid that there were, uh, you know, uh, like had happened in other parts of the country that these freed slaves were going to rise up against them um, and that it was going to uh, inhibit their ability to, uh, to continue to enslave, uh, to enslave people and to benefit from slave labor. Um, and this was really uh, the big turning point for the saints here in Zion. Um, this was the catalyst. Um, as I read through this, I couldn't help but see similarities um, between our use of social media today. <laughs> um, when, as a member of the church, you know, William Phelps wanted to do something good and to share his viewpoints on a thing. Um, 
that was that touched everyone's lives, right? Um, but he spoke for the saints. Um, he spoke for the church, and he did so without the authority from the Lord to do so. Um, and it turned out really bad. Uh, a local uh, county judge. Oh, I see a comment there. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, Sister Young said social media, uh, great parallel. Um, yeah, I, it was a newspaper, right? Like it was the quickest way that they could communicate things then. Um, so a local county judge uh, and the colonel of the Jackson County militia was livid when he read this letter. And that started the whole thing uh, with, with the, you know, the, all of the violence between the saints and, and the folks in Missouri. Um, William Phelps, after realizing what had happened, immediately, you know, made another statement in his paper and said, or another leaf, he printed a, a special one-off leaflet and said, look, we're not encouraging any uh, saints to come here or any, any slaves, uh, freed slaves to come here, any blacks to come here, uh, which I have to imagine putting myself in that space would have been extremely disheartening. Um, and I'm, I'm just curious if, uh, if there are any, if anyone else can, can relate to some of those same, you know, thinking about how, how William Phelps acted here. Um, like, how did his, his letters exasperate, exacerbate the situation? Um, and, and are there parallels that you see between how we, you know, how we act sometimes uh, today? And talking about the, the gospel, uh, talking about gospel things or talking about life things in relation to the gospel. Um, has anyone had experiences that, that are similar to that um, in the last year <laughs> specifically? <laughs> I, I react to this. I don't know that I've had a direct experience, but I react to this with the feeling that I would. I would be thinking, why aren't, why isn't Phelps or whoever speaking thinking about big principles and human beings and I'm a human being and I count and and this is not the gospel and this is not Jesus Christ and what he taught when what he's saying is very political, very um, very time sensitive, very much about what people are saying right now in Missouri, what people are tolerating or not tolerating and feels like, why are, why are you putting, why are you putting politics? Why are you putting these short-term circumstances and problems ahead of me as a person, me as a human being? Um, the whole, I, it would rankle. I would be, I would be troubled by that, even though I can, sit back today and look back 150 years and say, I understand why you're talking about these issues, whether you get it right or wrong. I understand why you're talking about it. I, I, I think, you know, you kind of, you kind of hit the, the nail on the head when you talk about the a focus on big principles, focusing on, on people, right. Focusing on, on that, the love of Christ. Um, and I, and I add like focusing on the work of the Lord. Right. Um, I don't, again, I don't condemn uh, William W. Phelps, uh, but I, I, I think that 
there was clearly a lack of, of awareness and understanding of, of how the work of the Lord is meant to proceed, right? Um, if he was focused on the fact that, oh, look, the Lord's going to call people to come here, right? And they'll receive their inheritance from the bishop. It doesn't matter what color their skin is. It doesn't matter um, how the neighbors around feel. But like when we, for, for me, one of the lessons that I learned here is when I, when I choose to speak out of turn uh, about uh, gospel things um, or to make value judgments about things, political, social, right? And, a, and to lay over in, a, in broad sweeping ways what my political views are on a thing, right? Uh, and to lay the gospel over that and to put that out there as truth and, and to speak for my church community. But that's not going to turn out well most of the time. It's almost always going to lead to contention, even if I mean for it to be helpful. Um, and, and I think that had he, had he thought about that before, right, he wouldn't have made the first statement and then wouldn't have had to make the second statement, which didn't do anything to repair relationships with the, the other settlers there. Uh, and for me, as a, a Black member of the church today, you know, his words were injurious, right? And I can't imagine for those few Black saints of the time. Uh, how their words might have been injurious. Um, and I think uh, we've seen a lot of the same kinds of things. Um, in the last year, people from different marginalized groups uh, who have been forced to endure opinions from individuals um, and statements from, from folks who are trying to share their understanding of the gospel and not focusing on the love of Christ and the fact that he is our judge and that he will take care of everything. Um, Rebecca. Yeah. Thanks, Charles. Um, no, so many thoughts. Um, I really appreciate that you, that you brought out, you know, this is a turning point for the saints in Jackson, but also just for the church, right. On, on again, these big principles um, that, that doesn't turn out well, <laughs> even though the attempt really is uh, pragmatic, right? Um, and, and I'm thinking about this tension with both of these stories between building Zion uh, and, and everything that encompasses and this, like, we don't want to go too fast and we're going to, um, you know, promote and prioritize pragmatism um, and reassuring, uh, you know, folks who are in power and the status quo that everything, you know, is gonna, is okay. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I'm just kind of, you know, grappling with this, like building Zion, the, the pragmatic approach versus the, like what Zion is. Um, and, uh, and the kind of role of the church or what I imagine kind of in that, um, and then just kind of, uh, you know, re-grappling with, you know, Phelps, who's, who's identifying that there's no special rule, 
<laughs> that there is this, uh, you know, inclusive all are alike unto God theology. Um, and that, uh, you know, we have both through him this evidence of that, but then also um, the fear and the pragmatism kind of butting up against that in, in what happens here. It's, it's interesting as, as you're speaking, I, you know, I, I, I had the thought of, of like, how much better would things have been if there wasn't, if, if, how much better would things have been for William Phelps if he hadn't been focused on really trying to appease people who were outside of the gospel, right? Like that's the, sometimes the church is going to like, gathering Zion isn't a, a work of, of comfort, right? Like part of that is, is change with us, right? It's, it's as we become more like Christ, we become more and more peculiar, right? We stand apart from society. That doesn't mean that we should rub that in people's faces, right? But like, we're different and, and that's okay. Um, but in trying so hard to appease you know, these other people and say, hey, like everything is going to be fine, right? Like, did he, did he make things worse for the saints there, right? Did he make things worse for himself? Um, maybe, uh, you know, I, I think there's also value in that, right? And trying to extend olive branches and trying to find common ground with people. But it's where are we trying to find common ground, right? Uh, are we trying to find common ground around love? Are we trying to find common ground around um, uh, around hate, right? And the Lord uh, in section 98, you know, he talks about the law, right? And how important it is that we, um, that, that we as saints befriend, uh, he says, uh, and now verily I say unto you concerning the laws of the land, it is my will that my people should observe to do all things whatsoever I command them. First, whatsoever he, the Lord commands, right? And that the law of the land, which is constitutional, supporting that principle of freedom and maintaining rights and privileges belongs to all mankind and is justifiable before me. Therefore, I, the Lord, justify you and your brethren of my church in befriending that law, which is the constitutional law of the land. Um, and as pertaining to the law of man, whatsoever is more or less than this cometh of evil. The Lord doesn't spell it out specifically what he's saying here, but he's, I feel like he's pretty explicit there, right? Like freedom is for, uh, for everyone, right? And anything beyond that is, is of evil, right? Um, and I think that even, you know, today, you know, again, there, there's so many opportunities for us as members of the church to, to stand for the right thing um, and to use our, to use this as a guiding principle of like, what allows people to have freedom, right? Like the Lord wants us to have agency. He wants us to, to, be, to be free in this place. That's what this, this country is built on. Um, and if we're, if we're not 
you know, if we're, if we're not protecting those freedoms for everyone, we're not protecting them for anyone. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, any other comments before we move on to the next? Well, so there, there are several comments in, in the yeah. chat, which I, I'm, I mean, you can read them, but I, I want to pick up on something there that yeah. the idea that uh, I guess it's a question of where were the church leaders at the time? Um, where was Joseph Smith? Where's Brigham Young? What were they saying? What were they teaching? Um, which takes me to the fact, I think it's a historic fact that um, the border states in that time period were a really tough place to figure out. I, I mean, it's not clear as a, as a political social matter. I mean, it may be clear as a big principle matter, but as a, as a political or, or economic social matter, it's not so clear what the right answer was, what, what you would do in, in border states in the mid 19th century. And, uh, and so what is the role of the church? What uh, is, is it to back out completely? I mean, we've got political issues right now. We yeah. people are talking about vaccines. Should the church just back out of these questions and stay out of the fray or, or speak up one way or the other, where every way you speak up, unless you are, unless you are omniscient, unless you have, you know, unless you know how everything's going to turn out, you probably don't know the right answer. Yeah, um, I, I, I mean, I, I think that you know, to, to the question of where, you know, where was Joseph? Again, Joseph was nearly 900 miles away in, uh, in, in Kirtland at the time. So he wasn't there in the thick of, of the, this conflict. Uh, I'm sure, you know, within a matter, a matter of weeks, right? These things would would get back to him as, uh, you know, I, I think Oliver Cowdery was one of the emissaries that traveled back and forth between Kirtland and, uh, and Independence at the time. But he wasn't there every single day able to give people guidance and to tell, tell them exactly what to do. But again, this is the, the beauty of, of our relationship with the Lord, those uh, uh, and, and the fact that there were these revelations given again, uh, you know, this stuff came uh, to Joseph, even without his full knowledge of what was going on. Uh, and, you know, to your, to your question about like, should the brethren stay out of these things, right? Should they, should they talk about them? Should they guide us in these things? I think the Lord says, I, I just, in section 98, uh, verse, verse 11, uh, I, I love what he says here. He says, and I give unto you commandment that ye shall forsake all evil and cleave unto all good, that ye shall live by every word which proceedeth forth out of the mouth of God. Um, the prophets are here for a reason, right? Like they've been called for a reason. Um, and when we're in the midst of of trials and challenges and persecutions, right? They will speak to us and give advice and we can choose to say, um, to say, ah, oh, they're a man speaking as a man, or we can turn to the Lord and say, heavenly father, I understand that you have given this instruction through the prophets, 
I'm struggling with that thing. Should I do it? Or help me to know that I should do it. Help me to align my will with your will. Um, I grew up in Texas. I have, you know, my, my family's still there. Still got uh, my best friend uh, still lives down there. And when a few weeks ago, uh, the, the first presidency shared their message about, hey, like, we're going to, we encourage everyone to wear masks at church, right? Like, like we think that this is important to do. Um, I know lots of people who said, eh, that's, he's speaking as a man right now. He's a surgeon, guys, right? Like, he's a surgeon. Sure, maybe he's speaking as a man, but he knows these things. Uh, but I had another friend. I was really grateful. My, my, you know, my best friend reached out to me and he said, oh, well, uh, I hate wearing a mask, but the prophet said to do it and I'm going to do it. Um, and that's the conversation that they had with their, with their four-year-old is, hey, the prophet said we're going to do this, so we're going to do this. And I think they were one of like two families uh, at there. And again, I don't condemn anyone who makes different choices than me, but like the, the beauty of that for me in that moment was he immediately said, the prophet said to do this, so I'm going to do it. Um, and the difference between that and William Phelps writing a letter, right, uh, is the prophet, right? And a man going on social media, right? Like those are, those are different things. Um, we have to use our discernment. We have to use our relationship with our heavenly father to know um, how to align our will with his. Uh, it's not about choosing whether or not we're going to follow something. It's about choosing whether or not we're going to follow the will of the Lord, right? Um, and, and finding how to align ourselves that way. Um, all right. Um, oh man. Charles, there's an, there's an, yes, there's an interesting question here about speaking up. Um, and, and maybe the way to address this is to distinguish between doing what the prophet says and speaking up in your own voice about something different. Say, I will do it, but I'm not in agreement or I don't think we should. And, and maybe, one way to see Phelps is that he assumed authority by being a publisher. By, he, he assumed a position of speaking for the church, speaking for the brethren, and, and maybe that was a mistake, but speaking up to say, I as a man, I as a woman, I as a person have a different point of view, even though my decisions about what I do, I mean, I'll wear a mask, but I'll say my own view. I, I, I wear there, there's, I, there's a question in there. There's a yeah. I, I look. I let's go back again to last summer, right? Um, I had there were there were things that uh, we all saw the turmoil that happened around race relations last summer, and that are you know we continue to live with the fallout of that every single day. Um, I took issue at, at at points with how the brethren talked about uh, about the things that, that were going on in the world. Um, and I, you know, I, for, for good or for bad, I, I spoke about, about how I felt about a thing, but what I never did was spoke ill of the prophet, right? Never spoke ill of the, the brethren. Um, and I spent countless hours talking with my wife and counseling with the Lord personally about like, Hey, like 
help me understand where it is that I need to, you know, where I need to change, right? Instead of looking outwardly to other people to rectify or to rally people to, to, to my thoughts, right? It was, hey, Heavenly Father, I don't get this. I don't get this right now. Help me understand that. And I think that that is, is such an important thing that we can take away. You know, we were, we were blessed to uh, be in Seattle uh, a couple of years ago, right after um, President Nelson uh, was, uh, you know, be, be, became the prophet. And, and he, came, uh, he came out there and spoke uh, to, uh, to the saints out in Seattle. And I was blown away at how quickly he started, you know, his whole, I feel like one of his themes is like, don't just take my word, right? Like, don't just take what I say and do what I say, like talk to Heavenly Father about it. Um, and I mean, if we look back at the last few years, like there've been a lot of controversial things that have happened in and around the church. And the doctrine's always true, right? Um, how we as members of the church internalize that and how we use the doctrine as razors for action is I think what changes. And we, we have to, like the struggle is, is finding the way to stay on the path and to, to trust in, uh, trust in the Lord, um, and to trust in his fallible leaders. Um, but know that the Lord's not going to let them lead us astray. Um, I, I don't know if that fully answers that question, but I, uh, I hope that it, it helped to address some of that. Um, um, we, I, I wanted to, uh, I want to move on real quick just because, uh, I feel like we're running out of, out of time. Um, one of the last people that I wanted to talk about again was, was, was brother, you know, Bishop, uh, Edward Partridge. Um, and, you know, I think that the, the persecution and expulsion uh, from from Zion were were painful for all the saints there, but I, I I have to imagine that no one felt it as deeply as as probably Edward Partridge. Um, speaking just of of the physical pain, you know, in in that July, uh, shortly after all of this this fallout. Um, he was one of two men who was dragged from his home. Uh, his daughters uh, watched him be dragged from his home uh, into the streets uh, and was stripped of his clothing um, and tarred and feathered. Um, uh, he was ordered to renounce his faith. Um, and what he said was, if I must suffer for my religion, it is no more than others have done before me. I am not conscious of having injured anyone in the county, and therefore I will not consent to leave. I have done nothing to offend anyone. If you abuse me, you are injuring an innocent man. Um, many of the saints who suffered uh, in Zion were, you know, they had done things the right way. Edward was called to be there, right? He was a steward there. Um, he, he had worked to help establish the church, uh, you know, he was in constant communication with the prophet. Um, he, he had worked hard to make peace with the, the locals, 
um, to, you know, he hired lawyers to help uh, to help solve a lot of the problems and to find, you know, legal protections for the saints. But still, uh, you know, he was, he was beaten, he was tarred, he was feathered, and he uh, was forced to leave his home. We often uh, times are, are subjected to, you know, to hardship that is at no fault of our own. Um, and and I, I just wonder if, if if anyone has thoughts about like why one why do you think the Lord allows that to happen and two um, how can we how how do we like Edward Partridge continue to to move forward and and to be faithful in those in those times of hardship when we've done right um, yeah. to check the comments and see if there's anything there too. Um, so I'm coming back to, oh, go, go ahead, Daylin. Oh, I was just going to say that. Um, I think the first question is an extremely hard one that I don't think anyone has an answer to. It's just part of mortality um, to not understand God, honestly, um, to not understand a lot of what he does and who he is, um, he, she. But um, to how we move through it, I think it, again, goes back to, um, I mean, personally for me, not only my relationship with, with the heavenly, but also um, with my, my family and my ancestors um, and how that um, kind of pushes you forward, right? Um, and I hope this ties a little bit, but in, you know, we're talking a lot about how the... Um, you know, be, uh, the, the, the differences between building bridges or piecing and what Phelps was doing. Um, was he building a bridge? Was, was, was he trying to build a bridge? Obviously, maybe partly um, misaligned, but, um, but I think a, a lot of it, in addition to, you know, this, this question, it, it goes back to our, 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 our agency or on our own personal um, 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 I guess relationship with um, with the heavenly. I'm not sure if if that makes sense. But if we don't have that sure uh, that sure anchor, I guess within ourselves, um, then a lot of that just kind of will, will wither away at any point. You know, if we don't have the um, the capacity to see that within ourselves and to um, yeah, again, to have that anchor, then a lot of we'll have a hard time understanding why bad things happening happen understanding why leadership is doing things that we can't understand understanding why the church goes a certain way why the brethren go a certain way understanding a lot of those things um and I, I think it goes back to um our own personal value system and understanding what that means for us um yeah i i um I mean, I love, I love the focus on that, that personal, that personal piece, right. Of like knowing, knowing who we are and where we stand. Uh, it, 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 all of these, these, these trials and challenges that we face in life. Um, if we don't have a personal testimony, if we don't have a personal relationship with the savior, it's, it's impossible to, to kind of anchor ourselves to truth and to anchor ourselves to faith. Um, 
yeah, I think that's, I think that's amazing. Thanks for sharing that, Dalen. Um, I'm actually, Charles, I'm actually impressed in a different direction that these scriptures and these experiences are, I keep feeling like they're very temporal. They're very time and place sensitive. And, and part of the message lesson to me, I guess, is we may never get it right. We are living in, in the middle of conflict, in the middle of tensions, and we don't have the perspective. And we may not even get it from our own prayer and inspiration. We may forever, I guess that's what I'm feeling in this lesson. I, we may we probably, I probably forever will be in a mild state of confusion and uncertainty. And that, you know, the, the quest for, I get it right. I know what I'm doing. I'm certain. I'm sure. I might just never get that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that. So my, my first mission president was just like, he's this amazing seminary teacher um, before he, he came, uh, seminary in the Institute uh, before he, he came to the mission field. But he, one of the most impactful things that he ever said uh, to, to us in the mission uh, that, that has always stuck with me was that there's so much power in the phrase, I don't know. Um, so often we, as members of the church, like, because knowledge is this, like we, we, you know, doctrinally knowledge is power and, and it's, you know, it's, it's the, like, it's, that is a pursuit that, that God has is, you know, or that it brings us closer to God to, to know things. Right. But like, there's, I think that sometimes our, our hyper-focus on knowing things can be restrictive because part of mortality, as Dalen said, is like, is like, we're going to have, we're going to have struggles, right? We're going to not know things. Um, that's just part of, part of the journey. Um, and being willing to accept, right. That, that knowledge of, of our, um, ignorance, right. Of our infinite ignorance compared to God, like, that knowledge is so empowering when we can go, okay, I don't know. And I, I'm not going to know, and I'm going to make mistakes. And as you know, the Lord says in doctrine and covenants, uh, 98, 24, if we bear it, uh, excuse me, uh, 23, uh, if, if men smite you or your families once and you bear it, bear it patiently and revile not against them, neither seek revenge, ye shall be rewarded, right? Um, like if we bear it patiently, we'll be rewarded. Um, I think that, that that applies to, to lots of things, right? Like whether we're, you know, someone is intentionally hurting us or, if it's just we're going through the trials of life, um, talking with Heavenly Father about it and saying, hey, I don't, I don't get this. Um, help me get it. And then moving forward, uh, that's what it's all about. Um, 
Rebecca, go ahead. Yeah, Charles, your question um, took me back to a comment that you made before that focused on how our actions, you know, these stories show how our actions have fallout, that we, that we don't live in a vacuum. Um, and that's true both for us as individuals as well as like, and your lesson is really brought out, I think, while the tensions between um, kind of our, our individual, you know, we might feel called by the spirit or, or to speak up or, or, you know, maybe it's not the spirit. Um, and then sometimes we're called by leaders to action. Um, and then some of the tensions between, um, uh, you know, the church, which is trying to build Zion, but they're also, um, you know, inspired, but also fallible leaders who are sometimes really focused on pragmatic ideas rather than um, maybe some of uh, some other things. Um, but but I'm really kind of taken back to this um, idea of kind of this the spirit of action and kind of how to how to act and um, and the reminder that everything we do, our actions, you know, aren't in a vacuum and that they're going to have repercussions. Um, and sometimes, um, you know, that's pain, that's painful. And we're, you know, we're the, we're having to experience the, the results of other people's actions sometimes. Um, anyway, that's what, that's where that took me. Uh, and I, and I wanted to invite Becky in too, because I know that she's been, had some thoughts about, uh, about this. Yeah. Oh, bless you. I, I was, um, there were a number of questions that came to mind. I didn't want to derail too much, um, or back us up too much, but, um, I've, I've been thinking about the experiences I have working with future teachers and a question I often get when we talk about this scary thing that's sometimes called classroom management is when some of the advice or whatever the readings that my students have uh, say something like, well, don't, don't just be friends with your students. And they're like, well, what does that mean? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, let's turn this into a question. What is going to guide your actions as a teacher of students? Is it always going to just be what they want? Is it just going to be their response? And I, I think the bigger question that I've had on my mind is, what is the indicator of whether or not we're on the right track? Is it the way people respond to us? Is, is it the way groups of people respond? Which groups of people? Is it people in authority? Is it people if there's a hierarchy below us? Is it is, is it is there a point at which it's very good and healthy to reflect on others' responses. But is I think one of the things that I'm taking away is sometimes we just feel stuff slapping back at us from others and we either double down or we immediately flip and change course and use use that as information either way. And, and it, uh, sorry. Let me say that differently, that it can be good information, but we, we in fact, don't reflect on it carefully and, and we react one way or the other, either doubling down or, or um, use, uh, allowing us to simply just be swayed by the responses we're getting, which is one of the ways we're 
as human beings, we have to react with society. Human beings are complex and we can only think about so much at once. So I, it's something I've been thinking about. The other question is even um, deeper earlier in your, in your wonderful lesson, Charles, uh, is, you know, thinking about McClellan, who gets, it's a similar, who gets to decide whether or not the choices I'm making in my life are meaningful and the right ones and what, um, what will, what is the measure of that? And I, I'm thinking about Chris coming back to this, you know, big principles. It's almost like you sort of answer both my questions in some ways. Um, but then there's also the, I don't know, you know, and, and it's just a messy experience. Um, but anyway, that's, those were my questions and thoughts. I don't know if it's <laughs> helpful, but I appreciated all these, um, wonderful reflections. I am. Um... I love uh, I love the comment that you just made about about like who gets to who gets to decide uh, whether you know my 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 choices my contribution is meaningful because um, uh, I, I think that it brings us to uh, you know uh, this this natural um, kind of wrapping point um, that I, I think that, that it's, you know, the answer simply is, is that's between you and the Lord, right? And our relationship that we foster there. Um, all of this, uh, you know, as we get to section, in section 101, the, this uh, was, was given to Joseph in, and I think October, or no, this is in December, uh, after the saints had ultimately been forced out of, uh, forced out of, of Zion. Um, and the Lord's finally answering kind of the questions to them, like, what, well, why, like, why did this happen? Uh, we were told earlier, like, everything's going to be okay. Right. And we were doing what we we're supposed to do was our, was our, um, was our sacrifice not, not worthy. Um, uh, and I'm sure again, people like Edward Partridge were like, I, you know, I worked really hard. I did what I was supposed to. Um, and, you know, the, the Lord in, in verse two of section 101 says, uh, I, the Lord have suffered the affliction to come upon them with they had, wherewith they have been afflicted in consequence of their transgressions. Yet I will own them and they shall be mine in that day when I shall come to take up my jewels. Therefore, they must needs be chastened and tried, even as Abraham, who was commanded to offer up his only son. For all those who will not endure chastening but deny me cannot be sanctified. Um, you know, he, to me, the Lord is, is basically saying, like, look, there were, there were some among you who, who didn't understand uh, what it was I was commanding you, uh, you to do. Um, but even those who didn't understand, like if they'll listen now and learn from this experience, then I'm going to, they're going to be mine. You're all going to be mine. I'm going to bring you all along. Um, and he goes on and I, you know, I encourage you, uh, everyone to, to read, read the rest of section 101. The Lord gives this beautiful parable of uh, the nobleman in the watchtower here uh, where he talks about, you know, how he gives us instructions 
And that questions are good and, and well, but but we also need to be willing to do his work in the way that he he has asked us to do it so that his work can move forward. And when we because when we don't, um, we we end up hindering his work and hindering ourselves. Um, ultimately, his work is going to move forward. Um, uh, but when we're given the opportunity to be a part of it, uh, it takes a lot of us rely, uh, aligning our will with his. Um, I'm, uh, I'm really grateful for the chance I had to come and, uh, and, and share with you guys today and to talk with you. Um, I, uh, I'm so grateful for uh, the gospel in my life, uh, for the relationships that it's allowed me to foster, um, uh, for the knowledge that there's living prophets on the earth today, uh, for the blessing that it is to be able to question. Um, and how it forces me to, to nurture my relationship with my heavenly father and with my savior. Um, there's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, of struggles that, that come uh, with being a member of the church. There's a lot of struggles with being a, a black male member of the church. Um, but I am grateful every day that I get to be here. Um, and that, um, that the Lord saw fit to allow me to have the gospel in my life. Um, it, it's changed my life forever. Um, and, and I'm so grateful for that. I know that the church is true. Uh, I know that the savior lives and that he leads and guides his work today, uh, through the living prophets. Uh, and I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much, Charles, um, for your preparation, for your time today, your thoughts. Um, and thank you, everyone on the panel today as well for your participation and everyone in Facebook world and the chat. Um, wonderful comments. Sorry we couldn't get to all of them, but um, really appreciated your, um, your engagement today. Um, we are going to close today. Um, we'll, we'll be listening to Be Still My Soul, performed by Alex Boye. Um, and then our closing prayer, uh, excuse me, prayer will be given by um, Becky Rossler, one of our previous gospel study teachers. Um, as a reminder, uh, tune in next, I'm sorry, September 26th for our next gospel study um, with Nate Ullman, who is a Rollins Professor of Law at the Law School of the College of William and Mary. Dear Heavenly Parents, God, and all that offers us life, we are thankful for this life. We're grateful for the opportunity to know one another a little better today and to associate with one another. We are grateful for the many uh, careful thoughts and reflections that went uh, came into this lesson from from many especially charles's preparation we pray that we will be able to see through the challenges and the messiness of interacting with one another in uh, society in our small groups our families our friends our workplaces and um, though we cannot know everything that we each intend that we may give one another the benefit of the doubt and whether we are in a position of 
some power or led by one who is that we will find ways to build bridges and love one another that we will come to know uh, uh, come to edify and rejoice be edified and rejoice together we also pray for those who are oppressed whether they their oppression is recognized and seen or not that they will find ways nonviolently through standing and influencing those who are unjust to bring about justice and equality in this world we say this in the name of jesus christ our savior amen you've been listening to the dialogue gospel sunday study find more of our podcasts at dialoguejournal.com podcasts dialogue podcast network